Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are my interviews with the star from Spoiler Alert, Ben Aldridge, the director, Michael Showalter, and the executive producer whose memoir the film is based on, Michael Osiello. Middle child, two brothers. We're actually very close, but they live in different states. Only child. Childhood obsessions. Christmas magic. I want you to hold me. My name is Michael. You're a great dancer. You're a terrible liar. And that's Kid. I've always imagined that my life was like a typical romantic comedy. You were so confident. I mean, you just ripped off your clothes like you're a stripper at a bachelorette party. And I basically shower with clothes on. I'll just shut up now. Shall we go to your place tonight? Here's my door. Before we go in, just open the door. Okay. What is this, Michael? Oh, you don't want to... Oh my God, they're in here too. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time here to chat with me about your role in Spoiler Alert. First of all, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. It's a very, very fun time of year. So many movies to discuss. Uh, Your film uh, here is one that is a very moving and touching love story at at its core here, dealing with acceptance, with loss, but also, too, with really caring about the precious things in life while we still have them. And I want to first start off by asking you, how did you come aboard the project? Uh, Did someone reach out to you and say, hey, I've got this script, or was it some other way? How did it come to be? Yeah, in quite the kind of typical way, really. My The script arrived in my inbox and just said, take a read. If you you like it, then uh, Zoom will be set up with Jim Parsons and Michael Showalter and I read it and of course connected to it and then we did this zoom in the depths of our third lockdown in the UK it was it was very bleak winter darkness um and I couldn't find my ring light which was gutting so I was like well I'm not going to get apart um but I just had a chat with them really for an hour and um it was a really good chat and I was hoping that that would lead to perhaps um, me taping for it and like jumping through a bunch of hoops to 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 get the part. And um, much to my surprise, two days later, I had they wanted me to play Kit, which was kind of a shock, really. But um, yeah, it just went from there. So did you have to come in and do like some sort of a screen test with Jim, like just make sure the chemistry was there? No, no, they, uh, uh, I think it was a leap of faith on their behalf, but they really felt that uh, Jim and I had just a really good rapport over Zoom. So they, w- the daunting part of it was, is that they, they'd never seen me play Kit before I played Kit on set, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't audition for it. So um, 
so yeah it was a it was a leap of faith but you know hopefully it's paid off <laughs> i mean that's very uncommon i feel like to do that sort of thing so uh, unbelievable instincts i think by showalter parsons and whoever else was involved in the decision making there because i think you two knock it out of the park i particularly really loved your performance in this movie uh because of how human uh kit is going through an experience that uh, can break anyone down. Uh, you know, he goes through a, a very, very challenging uh, moment in his life where he has to make a decision for himself about how he's going to face this as a human being, as a, as a man, uh, as a lover. I mean, it, it's really, really multifaceted. And I, I was really, really struck by just the way the character chose to deal with it. I'm, you know, I don't want to get too personal or anything, but did you draw upon any kind of real world like experiences in your own life on how to approach that situation emotionally? No, I, I I didn't. And, you know, the source material is so rich in, in Michael's book. He is uh, mm-hmm. it's such an incredible book in that it's so vulnerable. It's also so funny. It's so, of course, well-observed because he was there. So really the the source material and the fact that it was a real story, that, that Michael Osiello has lived this, that Kit, Kit lived this, that Michael Osiello is on our, on our set every day at the monitors as an executive producer. So I really didn't have, to, all I had to do was empathize, which is like all you all you ever, ever trying to do as, as, a, as an actor, I suppose. And um, yeah, in terms of drawing my own comparisons, I, n- n- no, not in terms of the cancer journey. Yes, in terms of their relationship being a gay relationship and very much something I understood myself and connected to. And it mm-hmm. was a pleasure to, to play that and to be connecting a, a, that emotional depth and be playing opposite another man um, in a kind of loving and romantic and fun way as well in, in a joyful way. So um, yeah, but really the the source material in the script uh, were our total guides and all we needed to kind of draw upon. Yeah, I mean, what I love about the relationship is how opposites truly attract in this particular case here uh, between your character and Jim's. And it's something that I found to be humorous at times, but also, too, it just clicks. Uh, You really see how, I mean, well, I'll let you speak for it, actually. What do you think Kit is drawn to in Michael, considering how different Michael is from Kit? I think um, I think he's very disarmed by him, and I think I mean I think Michael is uh, kind of like impossibly charming and witty, and they share this. Um, is it like a playfulness between them, a kind of snarkiness, uh, and uh, yeah, just a sense of fun. I think they speak the same language and really understand each other. And yeah, they're not they're not uh, the same person, but I think there's such common ground between them and I think that was also also true to life like a big portion of the book is really enjoyable because you see how they just really they did really fit together um yeah and I, I think they were both um uh I think they bolstered each other you know I think they weren't the most as all of us are we have our insecurities and we have our anxieties and I think they really helped each other with those things I think they really emboldened each other like any partnership does I think it's a really good example of that in the book and and the film um but yeah and Jim and I were just lucky in that we started an email kind of pen pal ship very early on because uh the schedules were all going to roll out that I would only have a day in New York before starting filming and jumping in the deep end with him so for about two months we emailed back and forth Mm -hmm. uh, and just really sometimes about the project, but mostly about ourselves, mostly about our, our relationships, our partners, our parents, our growing up, what, it, what our experience with kind of our own queer journeys. Um, and that meant that we had this great foundation of kind of knowing each other. Because I think, 
I think that really helped. I think, and, and we're still we're still great friends now, and still chat a lot, and uh, kind of a bit of a uh, never ending conversation, which I which I I think meant that we weren't jumping in cold, which I think helped the chemistry of the characters. Sure. You mentioned parents a second ago. I got to ask Sally Field, Bill Irwin playing uh, Kit's parents in this movie. Can you tell me what it was like working with them? Yeah. So our first scene with them was the appendicitis scene when Kit's first in hospital. And and up until that point, it'd probably been about two, two and a half weeks of just Jim and I and scenes like this, just, just this bubble, which was a real pleasure. But uh, it was kind of it, we were kind of slightly unnerved by then having to act with other, other people, I think, and act with Sally Field and Bill Irwin, no less. They were, I was definitely uh, intimidated, kind of in a good way, but and, and nothing through what they were doing. They're the most generous and lovely people ever. But I think we were both a little nervous of, you know, looking directly into Sally Field's eyes and thinking, oh, my God, I hope she, I hope she believes me. Like, I hope she wants to act with me and I had this like quite surreal moment of, of being in that hospital bed and being in like an hospital gown or whatever and and I had not long watched still re-watched still Magnolias um yeah and and had this kind of slightly out, out of body experience where I was like I'm Julia Roberts I am this is my this is my Julia Roberts moment and the new Julia Roberts sure <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> oh man there's a scene in this movie involving smurfs uh which has been shown in the marketing materials and uh i actually went into this movie cold so i didn't know about that scene so it took me completely by surprise and i loved the reveal of it all uh i wanted to ask what have you ever had a smurfs moment in your life going to somebody's house for the first time and seeing something and going okay all right yeah, not in a romantic way, but I, uh, <laughs> a bunch of uh, me and my friend Rory were once on a night out and met some like really interesting uh, people, like group of people, and went back to carry on drinking back at their apartment. And they had, they were a couple, and they were they opened this cupboard and they had a collection of like lifelike babies and and like dolls toddler size and like he <laughs> was very scary they were like really normal people though so it was, it was quite disconcerting okay like horror dolls basically so we were it was just amazing it wasn't like we ran away we were just like what is this and he like takes them around to like festivals and stuff and as a collector and interesting such a normal normal guy before he revealed the, those things so yes similar similar it was a kind of similar although that smurfs experience is is next level and that's also michael osiello's a, a fraction of his real collection get out of here yeah so he that was all flown in from his place in california and uh that's just a small percentage of all, all of the smurfs that he has so I guess the sh some of the shock that I'm playing there is actually getting to grips with the reality of that as well. It's like, wow, this this is real. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's incredible. This is a Christmas movie. I love whenever I watch a movie that's not an overt Christmas movie. And then I'm like, oh, this is definitely a holiday film for sure. Have there been any holiday films over the years that have really spoke to you uh, that, you know, you would not even count so much as like an like I said an overt Christmas movie, but one that has Christmas kind of thrown in there. Um, what's the what's the what am I blanking on the side? What's the Bruce Willis film? Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard. I'm I I that's the one that springs to mind. 
<laughs> Christmas is definitely there you go. part of it, but it's not an obvious, not, not an obvious Christmas film. Double feature, Die Hard, spoiler alert. <laughs> sure, yes, perfectly paired. Why not? Uh, you, you shaved your head for this role. I did. Uh, and wait, what? Yeah, no, I didn't. You didn't. No, that's all. That's that's makeup. That's um, like wonderful makeup artist led by Ariel Tolkien, our makeup artist. And um, yeah, that was just three hours in the chair in the morning of of that bald cap that would sometimes be taken off midday, sometimes reapplied. It was um, it was a process, but yes, yeah, all makeup. Well, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I was then going to ask about uh, makeup. Uh, did you have to lose any weight uh, for you know? the deterioration of Kit's character like throughout the film. Can you talk to me just a little bit about the process of going through um, some of that? Yeah, there, that, there, there wouldn't have been the opportunity to do that because we we shot it out of sequence. And so there would be mornings where I would be playing Kit getting sick and then playing the beginning of meeting Kit later in the day. So really I, all, all we could do uh, for weight loss was, was a clever um, like clever wardrobe really and making, choosing baggier things to make him look yeah. Good. Um, had there been the opportunity to, I would have, I would have totally committed to that. But yeah, we just had to be smart with it, and that was the that was the interesting thing about the film in terms of like going through the spectrum and the range of what they experienced. You know, as with as with all films, you, um, you shoot out of sequence mostly. But there was something about we could be playing a first date scene or, or an early scene and then later in the day we could be playing a nearing a goodbye scene, and it just kind of meant it was a real roller coaster uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's very and very intense but like very full and very very satisfying as well to kind of jump around there um in their in their story like that uh i want to end by asking what you have coming up next uh I, I i ask because i i love your performance in this so so much and i hope it's going to open up uh some more doors uh, in the future. And I also love too, that we're seeing just an explosion right now in LGBTQ uh, cinema uh, being represented on the studio level more and more and more lately and not so much just in, on the independent circuit. So if you got anything coming up, I would love to hear it. Um, yeah, I just did over the summer, I did a, a M. Night Shyamalan's next film, which is uh, centered around uh, a, a gay couple. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Groff and I are husbands and Dave Bautista, Rupert Grint's in there, Nikki Mooka Bird. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I was going to say, you can't reveal much given it's an M. Night Shyamalan film. (laughs) (laughs) The trailer reveals, the trailer reveals more than you'd expect actually. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a thriller. It's super intense. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's a real, like you said, it's a real, I'm so glad to be kind of riding a wave of of progress um, with with studios kind of programming more uh, more pieces that are, are centered around uh, gay couples or, or gay people. And uh, yeah, long may it continue. I'm, I'm also really enjoying having in my 20s mostly played straight romantic parts. I'm really enjoying exploring um myself i think more in in what i'm doing and that just uh feels like a very joyful and, and a relief in a way as well so yeah i hope it i hope it continues to that's great i i love hearing that thank you so much ben for the time here i really appreciate it and best of luck to you great to chat to you thanks so much take care i think you're very cool and i'm worried that you're going to break my heart no dad this is my friend mike a friend yes mom just a friend what is going on here who is this guy He's my boyfriend your boyfriend.
I think he's a great kid. We may not look like it, but we are actually kind of hip. Oh, my God. We were going to go to Woodstock, you know. Slam. I am. Let's just take a moment to appreciate this beauty. Kit, what is going on? Are you all right? Calm down off the ledge, Mike. I'm seeing a doctor tomorrow. I'm afraid the news isn't good. I was always afraid Kit would break my heart, and eventually he did. He broke it open. Michael, first of all, pleasure, real pleasure, just talking to somebody who's had years of experience in this industry, uh, done so many interviews, written up so many pieces, and does it feel weird, people interviewing you and having it kind of flipped around? Yes. I would <laughs> rather be sitting where you're sitting, asking the questions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I do want to start off by first asking about um, where did, did the decision come from to first write the memoir? Uh, a lot of people have life experiences happen to them, but not everyone decides to put them down to paper. So where, where did that come from first? It came from um, an editor at Simon & Schuster, who I was an acquaintance of, um, Rakesh Sethyal, uh, approached me a couple months after Kit had died because he had read some of the Facebook posts that I had been sharing through the cancer journey. And and, um, and he, he thought there might be a book there. Um, and so he first floated the possibility and... You know, after thinking about it for for a week or two, I ultimately uh, decided that I agreed with him and that I felt like there was a story here to tell. Um, whether I could do justice to it remained to be seen, but I it was a risk worth taking. Absolutely, yeah, I I, I could totally see uh, how much love was poured into uh, really every aspect of not just the memoir, but then also translating it over into spoiler alert as well. And so you publish this memoir. Does the phone call come right away? Oh, we want to option this book and turn it into a movie? Or did that take some time? And then how did that, like, I'm, I'm always curious about the behind the scenes workings of how projects come to come to be. So who knocked on your door first or gave you a phone call, sent an email, whatever it was? <laughs> Um, it was Jim Parsons' husband, and it was in person, and it was the week the book came out. Wow. <laughs> we at Barnes & Noble for, uh, Jim was moderating a Q&A that I was doing on, I believe it was the release day of the book. I had asked him if he would moderate this Q&A because we had known each other through, through professionally from me interviewing him over the years for Big Bang Theory, and he graciously agreed to, to do the Q&A without even reading the book. Um, but then- wow. You know, behind in the green room at Barnes and Noble, before Jim and I walked out on stage, his husband, who runs the, their production company, they, they run it together. Um, but he mentioned that they wanted to option the book to me, like right before we walk out on stage to do this Q and A. And there had there never the the idea that never really entered my my psyche. I was just so focused on the book. Um, yeah. So that was an extraordinary moment, extraordinarily exciting moment. Um, and also, also the best kind of confidence booster for me because it meant that they really loved the book. Absolutely. Was Jim always supposed to play you? Yes. Okay. And, and I imagine you were perfectly okay with that, but like, but did, did you have like any kind of uh, power to decide this is who I want to play, this person, this person, et cetera? Um, I had a I had a say I had a vote you know I, I think one of the things about being an executive producer and also being hands on throughout this experience it let me 
be involved in a lot of those big decisions and have and have a say. But it was a collaboration, you know, and, and you know, there were a lot of really talented artists uh, in the room, including Michael Showalter and Jim Parsons. So it, it was never it was never like um, it's my way or the highway. It was always. Right collaborative conversation, but I, and I was very much part of those conversations. So how often would you say that you were on set, uh, watching the actors work, watching Michael Showalter work? I would say it was on set every single day. Wow. Wow. So you very hands-on. Very, very hands-on, except the one day that I had a, a, a cold, a, a bad cold. And because we were, we shot during, um, you know, pan, the pandemic, um, you know, Obviously, there was a lot of sensitivity to, you know, even if I didn't have COVID, but I still had a cold. So I, I had to there was there was one afternoon evening where I had to go home because the symptoms were just sort of getting out of control and I was sneezing and it, it just wasn't good. Uh, and it, that was hard for me. But it, but other than that, other than that one night of shooting, I was there every day. Do you remember what they were shooting that night that you were missing out on? I, they were shooting uh, the the dinner scene in Millersburg where Kid tells his parents that he has cancer. Wow! So it was a it was a big it was a big moment. It was very hard for me to not be there. At the same time, I at that point we had already you know been shooting for over a month. I think I knew the movie was in good hands. Uh, I I knew you know uh, I trusted. Michael Showalter and, and Jim Parsons and the producers. So uh, as as scary as it was to not be there, I I, I knew I knew that it was going to be okay. What was it, what would you say is because it's so personal and you are obviously opening up yourself uh, in all aspects of your life here through this movie. What would you say was the scariest part overall? I mean, I know you already had done so with the book, but you know, film being a different medium and all, I was wondering if you had experienced any kind of new challenges or new fears that arose uh, through the production of this. Yeah, the main fear I experienced was not having complete control. Gotcha, yeah. Going in, that was going to be the case. I knew that's what I signed on for. When you make a movie, um, it's a collaborative process. Uh, Writing a book is a solitary process. Right. wanted to answer to but myself I, you know i i was the boss yeah movie you know michael showalter the director is a boss so a lot of it is about letting go of control but wow how amazing and 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 what a privilege it was to you know cede control to someone like michael showalter um who valued my opinion and, and let me be involved every step of the way and made me feel included so um as scary as it was is the idea of letting go control the reality you know once we were there making it it was it, it was a far less terrifying because i i always felt like i was part of the process where did the idea come from to insert some of these uh uh, nods to television uh, dealing with Michael's uh, pe- Michael's your <laughs> past and then also uh, like just some of these more fantastical moments uh, did that lift directly from the book was that part of the adaptation process where did those ideas come from uh, our screenwriters David and Dan that was their idea um, and that, that's how they pitched the movie. They they thought that there was an opportunity, a cinematic opportunity to tell this story through a, the lens of television, um, which meant so much to me and was such a big part of my life and of my childhood. Um, that was their idea. 
I, I know that you've spoken to a lot of people over the years. Do you ever still have like a pinch me moment, uh, especially in relation to this film? Have you gotten a phone call or an email where you've said to yourself, wow, that's very touching. I, I cannot believe this person reached out to me and said such nice things. Yes. I have a file on my laptop of amazing emails from people who I cannot believe reached out to me um, about the book and now about the movie. And um, it's incredible. Uh, and whenever I'm having a down moment, I'll go through that file and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's lovely. That's really nice. Uh, in terms of the pinch me moments, though, honestly, every day showing up on set and seeing Sally Field was... was <laughs> sitting and watching the movie and seeing her come on screen is a pinch me moment it's like i can't i can't still can't believe it yeah i was just speaking with ben aldridge a minute ago and he had similar sentiment like oh this is sally field we're talking here (laughs) the press junket and i was riding the elevator with her and i'm like oh my god that's fucking sally field I knew she was going to be here. She's in the movie. Right. For several months. But still, it's like, holy shit, Sally Field. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. I really love the bit that was included at the end, the bit of video footage uh, that was taken in real life. And I saw through that moment just how incredibly accurate uh, some of the like the way like Kit's posture, uh, the way that he spoke. Um, I know it's a movie and sometimes you got to, you know, liven things up and adapt them to serve the movie uh, in the cinematic form, if you will. But can you just talk to me about threading that line between being as authentic as possible while also trying to stay true to, well, we're making a movie here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's the balancing act that that you do. And that's that's the, the challenge. Um, I think while there are deviations that the movie takes, the important stuff, the, the big moments remain so incredibly faithful to this story and to what actually happened and you know the scene that you're referring to with the blowing of the bubbles um you know that almost frame for frame in the movie is exactly how it went down in real life including the actual dialogue um and and mostly that's because i had the video and i showed that video to michael showalter and he was like we're we're just going to do exactly that we're yeah. like change anything you know so when we were thinking about what what to include in the credit sequence of kit um you know the blowing of the bubbles just felt like you know the best kind of callback and how accurate would you say the smurf scene is in the movie to real life um i'm embarrassed to say pretty damn accurate (laughs) Hey, we all have our things. We all have our things. I, you know, obviously there's a little bit of uh, cinematic embellishment that took place. I did not have a Smurf comforter on my bed when I invited my boyfriend over to my apartment. Um, I need to really make that clear to everyone. Uh, 
a line that I would not cross. Um, but you still have them? Uh, this is the collection? Yeah. Guys, that's all that is my collection that you saw, by the way. Everything in is mine and it's only a fraction of the collection so the comforter was mine but i didn't actually have it on my bed in my new jersey apartment when kid came over um but everything you see in there is mine um it was shipped from los angeles the studio shipped it to new york for the shoot uh and that was a little scary watch seeing my collection out out in the wild for the first time being handled by other people oh my gosh don't drop that <laughs> exactly I, I don't gloves you're wearing gloves <laughs> Uh, just out of curiosity, what, what is it about the Spurfs? Like, what, what, what do you love about them? Nostalgia, the connection mm -hmm. to my childhood, to my mom, my late mother. Yeah. Uh, part of my collecting of, of that hobby. And, uh, it, it reminds me of, of her. Yeah. What would you say in Ben Aldridge's performance? Because uh, I imagine you had to have had these moments where it almost felt like Kit was fair with you again uh seeing him play out reenactments of some scenes that happened in real life and just curious if you had like an out-of-body experience uh that you can particularly remember on set watching ben's performance the the scene we referred to at the beach with the bubbles i think you know it, ben gave an incredible performance and i didn't realize i mean i knew he looked like kit but until we got on the set and he started saying these lines um, and acting in these scenes did I realize how kit-like he actually was. Um, and man, in that scene, that beach scene, you really you really see it. And I've heard from from really close friends of Kit who have seen the movie and they're, they're like, it, it's eerie how similar um, Ben was able to capture Kit's essence. Yeah. And, that scene at the beach with the bubbles more than any other scene um, is the one that that I think hit really close to home. And I want to end on a light note here. Um, I'm asking everybody this question because spoiler alert is ultimately a Christmas movie. And I want to know for you, what is a favorite, not overt Christmas movie, but a movie that has Christmas somewhere in the plot? Gremlins. Love it. Gremlins. Oh, my God. I I. I uh, I, I try to watch it every holiday, but for me, that puts me in the Christmas spirit more than anything. That's great. I, I love hearing that. And before we go here, can you tell us uh, what you have coming up next in your life? What projects you're working on? Um, I mean, I have ideas for other stories that I want to tell. Uh, I'm not sure what medium that that will be in, um, but uh, I'm, ex I'm excited about telling more stories. Um, you know, this, this experience sort of scratched an itch in me and, uh, and, uh, I feel like I want to do more of this, how that manifests itself. We'll see. Well, I hope it does in some way, shape or form or another. Thank you so much for all your contributions to, uh, the journalistic space. And thank you so much for opening yourself up through this, uh, this story of yours. And I really, really appreciate your time here today, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for this great interview. Have a good day, rest of your day. You have to run the race in front of you because that's all there is. Looking back, this is less of a rom-com and more of a love story. He can't sit for four hours. We promised bed. All the beds are occupied. Get my husband to bed! Well, that was Oscar worthy. Work for Shirley MacLaine. I'm sorry I never told you how good your ass looks in your khaki pants. <laughs> I was afraid if you understood how beautiful you are that you'd leave me. 
Thank you for inviting us. It was Kit's idea. I was vehemently opposed to it. And like all love stories, it never actually ends. Michael, thank you so much for joining me here today to talk about your newest film, Spoiler Alert. Uh, hopefully there will be uh, very minimal spoilers in this conversation here. But uh, first of all, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. This is like the most exciting time of the year, uh, not just because it's Christmas and you've given the world a Christmas film, but it's award season, you know, so there's a lot of movies to be watched and caught up with. Screeners are being sent out. Events are being held. It's it's a fun time. Yes. Agreed. As always. Yeah. I, I actually first want to curiously just ask you about uh, this really incredible run that you've had over the last couple of years. Can you tell me what changed uh, between uh, your 2005 film, The Baxter and Hello, My Name is Doris? Because I feel like since Doris and that film with Sally Field, who you've partnered up with here again, like I said, you've just been on this nice, consistent role of films where it just feels like uh, the notoriety, the recognition, of Oscar nominations and wins uh, last year for Jessica Chastain and Fies Tammy Faye. Uh, it Seems like there's just been this uh, career change of sorts. Uh, is there anything that you could speak to about that? I think, um, you know, in the time between between uh, the Baxter and Hello, My Name is Doris, um, I had a lot of time to kind of <laughs> think about my career and, and the path that my career was taking. Um, and, you know, after the Baxter, I wasn't having any real opportunities um, as a director and um, spent a lot of that time thinking about who I want, what I wanted to do and the kind of career I wanted to have moving forward. And I was teaching, um, doing a lot of teaching during those years, um, mostly at NYU graduate film school in the writing department as a, one of the adjunct writing teachers in their, in their department. And I found myself teaching my students in the work that they were doing a certain, you know, to have a certain kind of approach to the material that I realized I hadn't necessarily done myself. And, and so when I started working on, on the screenplay for hello, my name is Doris with, um, an, with, uh, Laura Teruso, who was a student at NYU. She wasn't one of my students, but she was a student at NYU. I really felt like it was kind of an opportunity to put some of that into practice. And then when, um, Sally Field amazingly agreed to do the film. I really felt like this was a real opportunity to not be wasted, to kind of really put forward the version of myself artistically that I felt was the true version of myself that maybe had been, that I hadn't really been able to show because I think based on the work that I'd done prior to that, I think I was seen, being seen a certain way and it was hard for me to kind of break free of that. And so it was a little bit of like a leaving it all on the line kind of thing with with Doris. And to be honest, Sally Field was very instrumental in, I think, encouraging me to follow my instincts as a director and to and to to have confidence as a director and to take risks. And um, and so, you know, to use a sort of a sports analogy with with that movie, I kind of left it all out on the field. Um kind of in a in a feeling of like kind of this is my last chance really to kind of like show you know to really say who I am and yeah. um it it you know because there's a lot of risk involved it's scary as as a comedian as a someone with a comic background it's scary to go into drama it's scary to you know it doesn't feel familiar it doesn't feel safe 
like, am I going to screw this up? And so um, Doris was, was the first time that I really dipped my toe in that. And, and it felt really natural. It felt really organic, actually. And so um, with each subsequent project, it sort of felt like more and more like, oh, this is my natural tone, um, whether it's Big Sick or Tammy or Dropout or what have you. That sort of space where drama and comedy kind of coexist is really the, the my best tone, really. And you get more of that here in Spoiler Alert as well. You get this yeah. meet cute story uh, between uh, man and man, and there there are opposites attracting uh, one another, which I found to be quite amusing at times. Uh, and I think the chemistry between Parsons and Ben Aldridge is quite remarkable i was talking with ben about this he told me that uh there wasn't any like real like rehearsal or like a real opportunity for him and jim to uh like they had a couple of interactions mostly over zoom though before they got to set uh, how did you instinctively know that both of these actors were going to be right for this role and that they would work together uh well well I didn't, first of all. Um, uh, it's always a risk. I mean, it's always there's always a, an unknown, uh, an X factor, and and you kind of hope for the best. Um, and especially when you add to it that Ben Aldridge is isn't an American, and so he had the added challenge of of playing an American in the film. Um, the you know I do think that when when we had that first that initial Zoom meeting, I think Jim and I felt really strongly that Ben was the right person for it. Like there just is that gut feeling you have where you meet somebody and you just feel something from them that makes, you know, we, we, we had a great conversation. We were making each other laugh. We were, we were also having serious conversations. And I think the three of us just, there was definitely an, a feeling amongst the three of us that this was a good fit and that we all sort of were talking about all of it in the same way, whether it was tonally or, the kind of approach that we might have. And it's true that we didn't have rehearsal, but I do think, and I'm sure Ben would agree with this, there was an immersion in the story and in the characters that sort of replaced a rehearsal, which is that we were all three of us, once we were finally all in one place. And even when we weren't in one place, even when when some of us were in New York prepping the movie and Jim was still in London finishing his show that we were talking about the characters and we were talking about the script in a very, very in-depth way. So that it was, it wasn't like we just sort of set foot and it was like, oh, hey, how are you? Who are, you know, we had really been very immersed in a story um, in trying to really get to what we all felt was like the heart of the, of, of the characters and what we wanted the movie to be. You were talking before about how you feel comfortable now between this space of comedy and drama, but I'm curious to know, what was it about Spoiler Alert that from either a story, stylistic, uh, whatever it was, perspective that you looked at it and said, oh, that's a challenge. That's something new and interesting I haven't done before. Um, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, you know, telling a story about two men um, who are in a in a romantic relationship was was something that I hadn't done before and, and drew me to it. Um, I like characters that are not sort of necessarily like swimming with this, you know, swimming with the stream, the, you know, going with the grain. I, I'm, I'm drawn onto characters that have some sort of outsider qualities. I mean, not in the most extreme sense of it, but that, that are sort of have some challenges going in. Um, that I think endears me to them and that, and that, and that is something that they deal with on a daily basis. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so I could, I kind of could kind of get into that part of it and, and wanting to, to tell a story about these people that wasn't all about that they're gay and that that wasn't really the story. They are gay and that's important and central, but it's not what the movie's about. That was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And I love the blend of humor and, and, and drama and heartbreak and, and being able to sort of like in a night in, in the, you know, in, in the course of a film to be able to try to have an audience go on that ride where you're laughing. And then next thing, you know, you're crying. And, and that's, for me, I, I'm drawn to that. And that was definitely the experience that I had in, in, in reading the book. And I've said this before, but it's sort of true. It's just like, you know, I really love theater and I feel like the, my, my favorite plays, that's kind of what they're like. It's like you, you, you're laughing for the first two thirds, sort of, it's like, you go see a great play and it's often very funny at first. And, and, and as you're sort of, it sort of like sucks you in with humor and, and, these sort of funny characters but then in the third act it all kind of um usually lands in something that's that's really goes into places you weren't necessarily comfortable with or that you weren't expecting and i love that experience spoiler alert seemed like an opportunity to do something like that sure totally i want to know too because you have a television background you've worked extensively on a number of different shows over the years uh whether it was shooting pilots uh directing a couple of episodes whatever the case might be what is it like trying to translate the style of television into the cinematic uh form and you have a couple of sequences here in spoiler alert where you do that is it just simply oh we're going to grab a couple of television cameras and shoot it like a television show or is there more post that goes into it talk to me about that process yeah i mean in in, in a lot of ways it really is just we're gonna shoot this the way it would be shot if it was a television show and and that mean you know whether that's the actual cameras themselves or and and and, and you know to get technical about it i think we actually shot the tv sequences the sitcom sequences we actually shot those on our on our movie cameras and we affected them in with vfx so we actually used okay. you know we sort of create we, we used digital technologies to make the film look a certain way mm -hmm. um and that's a kind of a trial and error thing you just kind of like get a bunch of different you know you just sort of keep looking at it and sort of we did similar stuff on on the eyes of tammy faye where we have tv you know we have scenes of them being interviewed and things like that and things you can do to the to the footage to affect the way it looks um but it it's everything it's it's the it's the sets it's the it's the way they perform it's that it's the performances themselves it's the pacing of the scenes it's all those different things i i love you know grew up watching tv I and mean, one of the other things that i really related to it's a small thing but to me it's a really big thing which is i'm also someone who grew up in new jersey as this is as did michael osiello and and moved to new york in my 20s and so i do feel a connection to what it was like to have been a kid in the eighties who came home every day after school and watched television. Absolutely. And, and that's a big part of, of who Michael's character is. And so I really, that was me, you know? Um, and so for me, like it was a, it was, I could understand how to take something that could seem silly or, or, or like, we're going to, you know, it's satirical, like we're making a big joke about TV shows, but it's really not. There's actually something much more loving about it. It's, it's, it's deeply ingrained in us. It's these 
shows that we watched as we're children. And I see it now with my own kids and the shows that they watch and the way in which that those experiences of being younger and watching things on television and the way that they affect you as you grow older and those stories stay with you or those feelings stay with you was, was something that we were trying to work with in this, in this film. And spoiler alert is for all intents and purposes, uh, a Christmas movie, I think, uh, especially one that does not overtly have like Christmas as part of its like its, its main theme, but it's a big component of the story question i've been asking everyone that i've been talking to about this project is is there a movie that has christmas as a part of its storyline but it's not technically a christmas movie that's a favorite of yours um i mean i always think of um you know you know i always think of um huh, i gotta think about that i want to think of what's <laughs> my real answer i mean the answer that popped in my mind was when harry met sally only because when Harry Met Sally to me was a was a is a sort of quint to me is a sort of quintessentially hol- holiday film. Yeah. Um. In that it, I sort of when I think of a Christmas movie, I think I, I in, you know the totality of a Christmas movie to me is it's really like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. It's sort of the the holiday season as a as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um. And what those what that time evokes for me, and for me, it's a lot about like the kind of clothes that I'm wearing and what the trees look like and, you know, wanting to be inside with my friends and that kind of a thing. And so it, 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 to me, it's a holiday movie more than a Christmas movie. Although obviously there is a big part of this story that is specifically about Christmas. I feel like, I feel like the holidays are, are, it's a time of year that evokes family. It evokes friendship. It evokes kind of being indoors with the people that you love um, reconnecting. Um, and so, um, the first movie that popped into my mind when you asked the question was when Harry met Sally. Great. So I'm going with, I'm going with it. Well, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving, uh, this week and a happy holiday season altogether. I thank you very much for your time here today. And can you let us know before you go, uh, what we can look forward to from you in the future, what you have coming up next? So I am currently halfway through uh, shooting a movie uh, with Anne Hathaway. Amazing. Um, another romantic film um, with a little bit of drama as well. And it's called The Idea of You. And um, like I said, we're about halfway through the movie. And I, I, that's what I'll be doing for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future is working on that. And hopefully it'll be out in theaters, uh, you know, in the next year or so. You're just cranking them out, Michael. I I'm love trying. It. I'm trying to stay busy. I'm trying to stay busy, but I also, I also need a break. <laughs> but this, I'm excited about it. I'm really proud of this new, this new project, and excited about the potential for it. Yeah, that's great. I'm looking forward to it now as well. Thank you once again so much, and I hope to chat with you again soon. Thanks, man. Be well. Take care. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interviews with the star for Spoiler Alert, Ben Aldridge, the director Michael Showalter, and Michael Osiello, the executive producer, whose memoir of the film is based on Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. 
Hey Hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.